This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We are in a series entitled Red Letter Love, and today we're talking about the joyful love of Jesus, and, and we're, we're talking about how joy, joy can be full. How many of you want full joy? All right? Well, not halfway, but full. And Jesus says in verse number 11 of, of our text today, John chapter 15 and verse number 11, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how perfect it is. And as we walk through this passage, verse by verse, would you help us to understand the difference between our joy and your joy? God, I can't help but just know and and realize and understand there are many burdens that have been brought into this room. But God, I pray that you would help us to understand a joy that can be experienced in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a difficulty. Lord, I'm thankful for those that are watching this service online and and listening on the radio 90.5. But God, I want to thank you for those that are in this room and in the parking lot. God, thank you for their faith to be able to go to your word and not hear man's opinion, but hear your word. Now I pray that we would open our hearts as we open your book and hear what you have for us today. Help us to have open hearts and ready hearts to do what you've asked us to do. Help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a country over near India called Nepal and there are, there are lots of different industries, but the number one industry in Nepal is agriculture. Many people go out into the fields and they work from sun up to sundown. And even the young people, uh, after they're done with their schooling, will go. And some of the young people actually have to zip line to school. Did you know that? How cool would that be, right? Unless you did it every day. And, uh, and so there are treacherous terrain and all sorts of crazy things. Some kids cross, you know, dangerous rivers and ravines to go to school. And I started reading about them because they are one of the most happy people groups in all the world. The Nepali people. And I want to tell you about two of them. First, let me tell you about Tara. Tara doesn't know when her birthday is. Imagine not knowing when your birthday is. Tara is about 45. She Again, she doesn't know her birthday, so it's kind of hard to guess how old you are. But she's about 45, and this is her. And she, uh, she was interviewed by NPR, and they went over there, and they said, why are these people so happy? They said, you know, what do you, what do, you do all day? She said, I work. I work all day. What do, you have, what do we have to be happy about? She's like, my work. 
And they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I mean, you know, uh, Americans were like, oh, I'm working for the weekend, man. You know, um, um, I can't wait. I don't need those. Uh, I, can't, I can't wait for, you know, the weekend, do what I want, you know. And now she's, she's, she's enjoying her work. She is finding joy in the very thing that she feels called to do, provide for her family, provide for her village. You say, well, okay, that's an older person. She's been through some war times. She's been through some difficulties. Okay, so she's learned how to be happy even when she has difficulty in work. What about the young people? So they thought that too. You know, I'd, let's talk to the young people, you know. Let's, let's see how they really feel, right? I mean, 45 years old, you might be, you know, putting on a show for these new reporters. So they asked a 16-year-old, Deverk, and uh, she, she said, yeah, I'll talk to you. And so they said, what do you do for fun? Oh, she said, I play with my friends, I read. And said, do you have internet? No. No internet? Do you have a phone? No. And they said, are you happy? She said, absolutely. No phone? <laughs> no internet? I mean, you know, how could you possibly be happy without those things? <laughs> and she said, it's because the people in my life that I get to give joy to, I, re I receive joy from. Now, that's just a story, okay? That's, those are true stories. You can go online and read them recently at the NPR, and you can, you, can talk, you can read all the research about happiness, and everyone's in the happiness business now. You know, the economics, you know, ec economists are in, hap in the happy business, you know, and the, and the scientists are studying, you know, and, the, and, and uh, the psychologists are always, you know, sending me stuff about happiness, and we're all searching for the same thing, happiness. Jesus, in this passage, he doesn't mention happiness. By the way, the Bible mentions happiness. In fact, uh, in your notes, we defined happiness, and, and, and it is a little bit, well, it's a lot different than joy. It's, this is the definition of happiness. It's, it's a sense of being blessed. It's a, it's a sense of being fortunate. You're, you're thankful. You're, you're, something fortunate has happened. Uh, you are pleased by something positive that's happened in your life. So a positive circumstance has brought a positive emotion. And so happiness is emotion. But Jesus says, hey, listen, happiness is one thing. Joy is another. And so Throughout this passage, verse number one, he says, "I'm, I'm, my father's the the vine, or I'm the vine. My father's the farmer, the husband. He's like, listen, he's tending the vine. I'm the source of everything I'm going to talk about. And then he talks about love, which we talked about last week, and, and he talks about how, hey, even in our trials, we can sense the love of God and we can understand who God is, right? So you can kind of know the whole context of it by listening to last week if you missed it. And and what we're moving into verse eleven. He says this, I've written all of these things, verse 11, so that your joy might be full. But he said, before your joy can be full, my joy must be in you. So I have spoken these things, verse 11, so that my joy could remain in you, and then your joy can be full. You know what no one in that article from... Nepal said, no one said that it was easy. No one said that life was always good. In fact, they recognized some of the difficulties they had as a community. And they recognized that almost every single day while they're going about their day, the government shuts the power off just because. 
and they recognize some of the hardships. And the life expectancy is half of what it is in the U.S. So they recognize those things. Those things don't make them happy. But they also recognize that there are some things that you can be happy about in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a difficulty. And Jesus says, I am the source of all of those things. I am the source for your joy. So number one, we're going to see the the three things Jesus gives, the three gifts Jesus gives for joy. By the way, I've given you four different things that happiness uh, you know, is, is drawn from, or, or joy is drawn from, accomplishment, affirmation, praise, acceptance, um, accountability. Those are things that are already spoken about in the passage. You can go back, and I, I gave you the verses. You can, you can use a study to kind of learn about those different things. But let me just tell you about the joy of Jesus. Because the joy of Jesus is not what psychologists are talking about when they say joy. The joy of Jesus is not what, you know, a lot of the books that you read. And Man, I've read some of these books, and they have some really good tips and some good things. I'm not saying everything is terrible. What the Bible says is that, number one, Jesus is the source of all joy. The Bible says that joy is the fruit of the Spirit being in you. So it is the result of God in you. And in verse number 11, it it mentions that, but it says it is specifically my words in you. These words have I spoken, my words in you. Verse verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you ask, man, it's going to be done to you. That makes me happy. Like, man, when I ask for something, but God says, no, it's got to be in alignment with what I have said for you to do. Now, here's a key thought. As, as, we, as we talk about the, the, the love of Jesus constraining us and flowing through us and giving us the joy of Jesus, the joy that we all long to possess is not something we can produce without Jesus. Now, you can, you can produce happiness. You can produce temporary, you know, highs, but those temporary highs will be met with temporary lows. We go through life with these ups and downs, and we wonder, and then sometimes the downs are a lot longer, and you're like, wow, will I ever have joy again? And Jesus says, hey, I want to give you this joy, but I, I, you cannot be the source of it. Because the moment I believe that I am the source for my own joy, or the moment I think that you're my source for joy, then what ends up happening is I'm going to manipulate the situation to extract as much joy out of you because I think you're the source. And here's the crazy thing. Our culture is wired to want this joy so badly that we do everything we can to try to get it. And we keep putting things in the future to say, well, maybe when I hit that accomplishment or when this happens to me, then I'll have joy. And Jesus says, no, 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 time out, time out. I'm the source. All that you're looking for is in me. And so there's this really, really important word picture that's found starting in verse number six, working down through verse number 14. Okay, but I want to show it to you. Look at verse number six. Verse number six of chapter 15 says, and we read it last week, but it says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast, he is cast forth as a branch. So there's a branch, okay, that's withered. I think we have a withered branch, and then we have some fruit. And this branch, okay, 
is, has no life in it. Absolutely none, okay? It's, it's dead. But this branch at one time was a vine, okay? At one time, you can actually kind of see it had things growing off of it. And, and when, the, when it was, when this vine was growing, when it had life from it, coming from it, then there were little branches. You can actually kind of see the little sprouts. There were little branches coming off of it. And then from those branches grow the fruit. Now, this is not a trick question, okay? But how much fruit could this branch right here grow if it was never connected to the vine? Nothing. Can't grow anything. So is this fruit on the branch? Yes. But is it the branch's fruit? No. This fruit belongs to the vine. This fruit was produced by the vine. And so, listen, everyone likes fruit. It's good. But this wasn't grown at the grocery store. Kids, food doesn't come from the grocery store. Okay? I will tell you what had to happen for this fruit to come to pass. We talked about it some last week, but watch this. Someone had to go out into the vineyard, and someone had to take most likely an electronic tool like I had last week, something similar, not that exact same tool. Uh, someone pointed that out, okay? That was not the right tool for the job. It was just a tool I had, okay? Like, you know, some pruner you are using a, you know, hacksaw for, you know, okay, just go with me, all right? This is what it looks like before and after the pruning. They would go out to the vine, and this is what it would look like. They would, they would cut off These branches, you say, what's wrong with these branches? Absolutely nothing. Other than the fact that they're not producing fruit in the right place. And they're not producing enough fruit. These are smaller, okay? And so the unnecessary is cut away. Some of you are going through a cutting away. And last week was all about that. God is so good, he will actually allow you to go through difficult circumstances so that he can cut away what is not not just unnecessary in your life, but is damaging in your life to future growth, okay? So God loves you enough to prune you. Now, when we talk about the pruning process, and we'll come back to the slide in a minute, but go to the next slide, this is what we're actually cutting off, okay? We're, we want the vine or the trunk to stay, we want the branches to stay, and we want the, the actual uh, fruit to come off the branch. Now, let me give this back to you, okay? I'm making everyone hungry. Everyone's like, I want a grape, all right? Um, in verse number 11, when he says, these words have I spoken unto you, he is saying, my words in you will grow the kind of joy that you long for. You long for this joy. What ends up happening is, I'll I'll put the pressure on me. I want to grow joy and get the credit. So verse number eight, look at it. It says, herein is my father glorified when you bear much fruit. So I don't get the glory. I don't get the credit. Just like the branch doesn't get credit for the fruit, the vine gets the credit because everything is flowing through the branch to the fruit. Everything that you desire, 
in your life, including joy, is, will flow through you to others, okay? So, so, so here's an action item, and this is so important. What are the sources? Take an inventory. What are the sources for joy that aren't, that aren't true? See, Jesus sat down by a woman next to a woman uh, at the well, Jacob's well, and he said, hey, listen, you're thirsty. She's like, yeah, I'm thirsty. You're thirsty. She's like, give me water. And he, she says, okay, I'll give you water. They have a little conversation. But the whole point of it was he wanted to tell her, hey, you're also empty on the inside. I am? Yeah, you've had several really difficult relationships. And the one in your right now, the one relationship you're in right now isn't going well. And so I want to help you. I want to fulfill you with something that will never run dry. It's a well that will never dry up. See, all the wells that I go to, like I was talking about future hopes, like maybe something will happen in the future, like, or they, you know, put your hopes in someone else, like, hey, if someone else will, will help me with this, then it'll be good, or put your hopes in money, you know, if, if I get this, and put your hopes in your, your career, you know, if I, if I hit, the, so there's lots of things that we try to draw our joy from, and then the ship gets rocked, kind of like in COVID, right? <laughs> and someone's like, I lost a lot of joy in COVID. Now, if you were a if you were an introvert, you got lots of joy during COVID. Okay, that was like your time. All right, you were like, yeah, this is me. All right, extroverts. You know, I'm sitting over here. Oh, this is horrible. And you're like, ha ha ha, this is great. You know, Zoom. All right, my new best friend. Right. So, so, but for us as Christians, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, whether you're going through a trial or not, we all have to take an inventory and say, what am I seeking to produce joy that just will never fill me with joy? So Jesus said, I am the source. But number two, I want you to notice this. He said, not only am I the source of joy, so I'm going to give you the joy that you need. I'm going to give you steadfast joy. Jesus gives steadfast joy. He said that my joy might remain in you. Now the word remain, this is so awesome because it's used over seven times in this one passage. It's the same word that we've been using the last, last week, abide. Minnow, it's, it's literally to stay, to stand, to, to endure, to be steadfast, but it means to restart if needed. Listen, if you're not abiding with Jesus, maybe you're far from Jesus, maybe you feel like God's let you down. Maybe you don't even feel connected to the vine. Maybe you're like, I have no idea if I have a relationship with Jesus. Listen, there were people in the first service who placed their faith in Jesus Christ and began a relationship with Jesus. That's awesome. You can connect to the vine. He's waiting for you. He's wanting you to connect him. In fact, you could sum up the entire Bible with this one phrase, one sentence. God sent Jesus down to man to reconnect man with himself, God. So God is your connection. God sent you a connector, okay, Jesus, to reconnect. You can't reconnect with him on your own. See, religion says, oh, you need us. You need us to reconnect to God. And Jesus says, I've done it all. Jesus said, I've paid it all. And so all of, all of our connection comes through Jesus. And so the question is, how can I have joy that, that can't be robbed by my circumstances or by my own tendencies? Like, how can I have steadfast joy? I don't know about you, but I want transcendent joy. Don't you? Like, I want joy that, 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 that doesn't take a break. I want joy that doesn't go on vacation, right? I want joy that's just there. It's remaining. That my joy might remain in you. I love that, in you. 
Now, if Jesus is the source of our joy, and we don't get joy, true joy, true and lasting joy from the things around us, and then we have to ask ourselves, okay, then what are we valuing around us that we that that are that's taking us away that's 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 devaluing the presence and the word of god if the presence and word of god is the source for our joy then what are we valuing that's that's actually taking away from our joy now let me illustrate this way all right uh, many of us got a stimulus check, okay, a STEMI, STEMI 2, I think is what it was called, okay? People are asking for STEMI 3, all right? It's, it, here, here's the point. When you get that money, that money was not from the government, okay? The government doesn't, the government is not the source of money, all right? Now, this is our, our former um, Secretary of Treasury, you know, standing, posing with, uh, with some bills. I guess this is not, you're not supposed to do this, but he did it anyway, all right? And so, um, but he's not in the job anymore, so we can talk, talk about him. He won't care. Um, and so he's saying that that paper, okay, isn't worth anything unless something is worthwhile behind it, if something is backing up that paper. Now, it used to be gold until I think the 70s or 80s, and it's no longer gold. Now it's the, it's the economy. It's the reputation of the United States of America gives the value of the dollar. If our reputation tomorrow was gone, no one would back the dollar. The dollar would be devalued, okay? That's how this works, all right? So the government, they might print the money, okay? But they're not, they're not adding the value to the money. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? The value of your life, how you value the presence of God, the word of God, is not based on what you say. That's the paper dollar, what you say. The value is what you do about what you say you believe. It's like getting up in the morning and saying, okay, I, I want to abide in him, but, but, but I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to read one verse um, Jesus wept. All right, well, if I cry today, you know, it's a, that's a fast one. I, I got to get it, you know. Here we go. <laughs> John eleven thirty five. go to, you know, fast first. Listen, there has to be some moments, and some of you are great. You're on your commute, and you're, and you're, you're abiding, right? But even if you're just listening to it, there, there has to be a moment where we sit down and we say, okay, God, I want, I want your steadfast joy, and, and it's not going to come overnight but it's something that's going to happen in your presence and in your words when his words abide in you. And so here's a key thought. And this is so important for, for all of us to understand. Jesus is, is, is the vine. Okay, we saw that. He's the source. And he lifts up the branch, us. We're the branch that bear fruit, all right? If we're connected to the vine, he lifts us out of the fallen dirt of distraction and hopelessness. Now, the word withered, a branch that has fallen, is a branch that is withered. If you're not connected to the vine, you're withered. Many Christians, the word withered means to be dried up and, and, and wasted away. Many Christians are, are lying on the ground. Okay, guys, put up the, um, the, the vineyard uh, again. All right, there are these lines. I don't know if you can see them. Can you see the lines right there? They're holding up the branches. They're supporting the branches. See, what happens is, before they had those, before they built those lines, what happens is, in between the two vines, the, the branches, they dip. 
And the branches that dip, I watched this growing up in Iowa. I mean, you see them dipping. If they didn't have the right support structure, they would dip. And the moment they touched the dust, the moment they were down in the dumps, (laughs) that moment was the moment they started to lose fruitfulness. And so that's why they have to be lifted. And, and, And here's the crazy thing. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they were flourishing. But the moment they stooped down to doubt God's word, the moment they took from the fruit that was not theirs to take, the moment they stopped trusting God, the moment they started lowering themselves to think that they could understand good and evil on their own terms, the moment that started happening is the moment they lost connection to the vine. And God says, I'm going to restore connection to the vine through Jesus. That is how we can be connected to true and full joy. And so here's an action item. Listen, you need to look for one person where you can give strength and joy to this week. One person. And I guarantee you what's going to happen. If you pray and God say, God, give me one person. That one person he's going to tell you is the one person you're going to say, God, anybody but them. Just, just, just pick another person, God. Listen, God wants to flow through you, not because it's easy, but because it's necessary. God wants his joy not to stop with you. See, that's the problem with, with self-help prosperity preaching is to say, Man, you can have God's joy, you can be full, but if you don't realize that full is actually, when it literally says, be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit, it literally means to be filled and filling, like to be pouring out so Jesus can be pouring in. Listen, God doesn't give you joy just so you can be joyful. He gives you joy so that you can make others joyful. And God wants you to bring joy to the person who least expects it around you. And so that's why we're here. We're here studying what Jesus said. And he said that he is the vine. We can be connected to him through his word, through his presence. And when we are connected to him, we can have steadfast joy. But it gets even better because he doesn't just say your joy can remain in you. He said it can be full. Everyone say full. It can be full. I mean, come on, guys. Say it like you mean it. Like full, like we want it. Okay, full. All right. There you go. That's the way, all right? Leading leading the way. So listen, number three, I want you to see this. Jesus, he gives the surplus of joy, a surplus of joy. It's not just steadfast. It's not just present. It's a surplus. And let me talk to you about this because this is not just like rally, you know, feel good. This is is what he says, and and, and if you miss it, it's, it's easy to miss. He says, So verse number nine is I've loved you. And and by the way, I love that. He says, he says, I have loved you. By the way, if if you hear you're doubting God's love, let me tell you, God loves you. He he might not feel loving in this moment. He might be pruning you. He might be shaping you. He might be growing you, but he loves you. Never doubt his love. So it says, as I have loved you, continue in my love. Then he says, continue to abide in my love, verse 10. And he says, as I have kept the Father's commandments, I'm connected to him. You're connected to me. You're you're keeping my commandments. Abide in his love. So you're abiding in my love. And as you're abiding in my love, you're abiding in his love. Then he says in verse number 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another. 
as I have loved you. So this love is flowing through you. That's the key to joy. And, and he says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now certainly this can be applied to the fact that Jesus laid down his life for his friends. The moment he came and he healed Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, come forth. That was his death sentence. So he had literally laid down his life for his friends, his zoe, his, his physical and spiritual life. Okay, so you can, you can but this is not the word zoe. When, he, when it says that he has laid down his life, it's the word suke. And suke is actually where we get the word psychology from, okay? And, and, and he said, I'm, it's the soul, okay, the deepest part in you. Uh, it's, it's the strength or the breath that you give to someone else. He said, I have given my strength. I have given my breath to you. Now you go give my spirit, my strength, my breath to others. That's what that verse is saying. And verse number 14 is the key. I love this. He says, ye are my friends. Imagine that, being called the friend of God. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I've commanded you. Listen, if you're in alignment, we have things in common. You're doing what I'm doing, and I'm doing what you're doing, and we're into the same things. We're going to be friends. Listen, there, there's just going to be a camaraderie. There's going to be a togetherness. There's going to be a joy because we're getting to do this together. We get to labor together with our Savior. And you say, what does that look like? What does that feel like? This is what it looks like. I'm going to ask you to bring up um, the, the water. This is, I, I, Jesus was using a visual aid, uh, and I want to use this as well. Um, this, is, this is what the word full, when, when we repeated the word full, um, and we had a few, you know, really good, um, here we go. Um, really good shouts of full. Here's what I'm talking about. Full is, literally means, put up the, the reference uh, or the, the definition. It means to be filled to the brim, to increase to the brim. So when you're full of joy, that is something that Jesus does. Many of us, we come into the presence of God and we're filled and we're, we're encouraged and we're strengthened. And then we end up turning on the news. And it's just like, they're paid to make you, I don't care what channel, okay? I'm not picking on any channels. It literally, it, it, they, they're paid to make you fearful and afraid and agitated and angry. That's, 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 what, that's what sells. And so they're just, it just like, you watch 10 minutes of it, and you're like, really? Really? We all hate each other? Seriously? Is that, is, is, is that true? I mean, because I don't know. On my street, doesn't seem like that. I mean, here it's pretty cool. I mean, you might hate me, but I don't know. I, I, I think we, you know, I don't think so, right? So it's just like, ah, uh, just kind of gets at you. Uh, and, and then, and then you, you, you go to work on Monday morning, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe not your work or, 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 or maybe, you know, it's family member or something, but, but you're around some toxic people. I mean, just some people, their number one job Okay, they wear out their fingers pushing your buttons. They just do. They know where they're at, and they're just like, you know, sending text and saying things, sarcasm. You know, they're just, yeah, you know, they're getting you right. They're the toxic people. Then you know, you're like, oh, I need a break. You know, I, I I'm just, I, I need a distraction, right? And so what we, what we do is we go to social media. 
We're like, oh, oh, maybe if I just get that type of house or that type of relationship or that, this, and the comparison, it just sucks your joy right out. And you're like, man, it was full. I wanted it to be full. I was trying for it to be full. And then, and then, this is the kicker. This is the worst. And, and I'm just, you know, confession's good for the soul. This is mine, man. This just sucks it right out of me. Doubts and fears, like the what ifs, and the, like the, ooh, ooh, man, oh, I hope that doesn't, oh, that, ooh, that could be bad, ooh. And it's just like all of a sudden you're just, in the world, like what, what, what in the world? I was full, and that now, is this full? No, I mean, there's some joy in there. It's not like you're empty. Maybe some of you are like, I'm on empty, man. All right, listen, keep, keep, let's, let's stay with me. Listen, all of this, let me describe what Jesus is describing in the passage. So when he says it can be full, filled to the brim, he's saying there's some things that have been sucking joy out of you so that you aren't full. Now, uh, go ahead and put the diagram back up. I want to show this to you. There's something you maybe <laughs> have seen before. All the way at the bottom here, there are little things, and I grew up having to cut these away. I grew up in Iowa. And, and listen, you, you got to get these away, otherwise nothing will grow. They're called suckers. All right? So just walk up to the next, next toxic person. You're a sucker. No, no, please don't. Please don't, okay? And my pastor said, you know, you're a sucker, okay? Here, here's the point, though. Here's why they're called suckers. They suck the life right out of you. Jesus said, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be difficulty. Jesus never hid the fact that it would be tough. In fact, this passage is all about experiencing his love even when there's pruning. The whole first part of the passage, you can listen to it all last week. I talked about trials and how God loves us in the midst of them, how he shows his love through the trials. We have to go through it, okay? So, so you can listen to that. But Jesus said, hey, listen, all of these things, they don't have to rob you of your joy. They, 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 these things don't have to, you don't have to give the keys to the person next door. You don't have to give the keys to the person. Listen, all of these things are real trials, but there is a lid that you can put on your joy to keep other people from trying to dip into it. And that lid is called living by the word of God to say, I know that's what you say, but let, let me tell you what my God says. I know that's what fear says, but let me tell you what reality says. I know that's what I'm thinking right now. I know that's what I feel right now, but let me tell you what the word of God says. And instead of trying to wrap scripture around your feelings, we've got to wrap our feelings around scripture. That is how we were meant to live. And so, Here's a, here's a key thought or a takeaway, and it is this. The takeaway is that joy from Jesus, and of course, it's always from Jesus. It's a gift of grace. It's undeserved. But I will tell you something. It is uncontainable. Like when God gives it to you, you just have to pour it into people, even if they're toxic people. You have to pour it because you want to give it away. And here's the crazy thing. The moment you give it away, you get more of it. How does that work? I don't know. It's kingdom living. The more you try to give joy to others, the more you have joy yourself. And so here's a takeaway, or here's the action item before, before we leave it is this. Identify what you are giving the power. By the way, Jesus has the power to give you joy, but he's not gonna force it on you. You have to receive it. He said that my joy might remain in you. Not that it will, that it might. You have to choose it. So that my joy might remain in you. Listen, you have the choice. 
Right when you walk out of here, you have the choice. Are you going to let them? Are you going to give them the power to push your buttons? Are you going to give social media the power to to tell you that what you have isn't enough? Are you going to allow those toxic people to just dictate your mood? Or are you going to say, you know what, God? I'm I'm just going to study joy. The joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. You know in Nehemiah it says to eat the fat and drink the sweet. I love that. Man, I love that. Put it in your notes. Eat the fat and drink the sweets. Yeah, man. Bring that on. Eat the fat and drink the sweets. But at the end of the verse, you know what it says? It says, listen, you know why you can? You know you feel like, hey, listen, I'm just going to go get a cup of coffee and I'm going to eat something sweet. (laughs) And I'm not telling you to ignore your diet. I'm just saying this. That the end of that verse says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You're not my strength. (laughs) I love Danielle, been married 15 years, but she's not my strength. Uh, Listen, I love my boys, a couple of them here, but they're not my strength. Guess who's my strength? The Lord. The Lord is my strength. He is the undergirding, the steadfastness of my joy. And nothing or no one or any circumstance, even a pandemic, can take that away. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.